All right, well, welcome to the second episode, the second edition of this brand new podcast. This is Pastor Quint at Erie First Assembly in Erie, Pennsylvania, and you are listening to the Quintessential Ministry Podcast. Uh, I'm so grateful and overwhelmed, honestly, by the response and the feedback that I've gotten over the last couple of weeks. Uh, If you heard episode one, uh, you know what I'm talking about. If you missed it, you can go back and check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. But uh, we had Pastor Nicole Schreiber on for my first ever podcast of 2020, and she just did an awesome job talking about the subject, uh, Callings Don't Work with Conditions. And so um, that was just a great conversation and uh, I've heard uh, many great things from people. So thank you for checking it out. And I'm excited uh, for today. I'm excited to keep this uh, train rolling. But today I have uh, joining me for my second podcast, my beautiful wife, Erin. Would you say hello, Erin? Hello. All right. So we are very excited to, uh, we're actually in our dining room right now recording this. And hopefully no children wake up or anything like that. But we're going to talk about the subject of being present. Um, I think mainly the idea of being present at home because that is where we spend the majority of our time together. But it can apply anywhere in your life. And actually, um, why don't you go ahead and give our background and how many um, little children run around this house on a daily basis. Definitely. So Quinn and I have been married, it will be 12 years this year actually, and we were married for five years with no kids, and then we They find, were awesome <laughs> years. We think back on them very fondly um, and wonder why we didn't enjoy sleeping in and drinking coffee hot. But anyway, so we finally decided to start our family, much to our family's excitement, and so we have a uh, Four and a half children now. Our oldest, Anderson, is five. Our second son, Preston, is three. Our daughter, Charlotte, is actually also three. They aren't twins, but they are only eight months and one day apart because Charlotte decided to join the world 11 weeks before her due date. So they're kind of like twins, I think. And then our son, Bennett, will be two next month, actually. And we are due with our fifth and last baby, any day really um uh, and so we have uh those five and i always joke that you know once we started having kids our family was so excited and now it's kind of like our family's like please stop so uh this is our fifth and last baby so yeah and actually part of why we're recording this right now um this is quite a bit earlier than it will be released but part of why we're recording this right now is in the event aaron goes into labor probably not going to have a lot of time to sit down and record this podcast. So right. we are going to uh, get this knocked out. Uh, but this has been a subject we've wanted to talk about for a little bit. And when I decided to do this podcast, um, this was, it, it was a no-brainer for me that I wanted to have Aaron on. Um, and then this was kind of the easy, the, the smart topic to choose, um, mainly because uh, a lot of reasons. She's amazing at being present with our children, and it's something I'm always working on, and we'll get into some of that. But also, we just spent um, uh, like four days, I guess it was, in Colorado Springs uh, this past November talking or or learning from uh, some people we respect a lot, John and Stacey Eldridge and their crew at Ransomed Heart Ministries. Uh, And it really was a, a conference set aside to like challenge us to be more present 
with those that we love and with those that are around us and just be more present in general. And so I thought this would be a great conversation for us to have, given the fact that we just spent some time learning about it. And, um, and like I said, it's something Aaron's great at. So we are going to do that today. So Aaron, would you um, maybe just talk for a minute about kind of some of the stuff we learned from John and Stacy and what they were, you know, the, the um, conference was called Homecoming and it was really, we didn't know what to expect because we had never been to a Ransomed Heart event before, but right. it, um, it really was a preface to his brand new book coming out in February, which is called Get Your Life Back. I'm not paid at all to plug any of this <laughs> stuff. It just has impacted my life. And so Excellent. I feel, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for it either. So anyways, he did a great job explaining a lot of what uh, has gone into this new book. And it was a very timely message and, and stuff that we needed to hear. So maybe just talk a little bit about some of the things that you got out of that and um, some of the, you know, just applications since we've been home um, in these last couple of months. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, he really kicked off the conference with talking about um, how he had noticed in his own life how his attention was very much not what it used to be. You know, he he's an avid reader, and he was finding that he just couldn't finish a book. And uh, he talked about playing with his grandchildren, and and within just a couple of minutes of playing with them, noticing that his mind started to wander and thinking, I wonder what's going on with so-and-so or in the adult world. And, you know, as he was speaking, it really was resonating with me as some things that um, I don't like about my myself and my attention. And one is reading that I've noticed. I used to be an avid reader, and now I notice that I can't read for longer than just a few minutes before I find myself picking my phone up or um, checking, you know, checking the television or, or whatever. And it, I used to be able to read for hours at a time. So that that really did um, kind of sink in with me. And I, I started to realize in my own life ways that um, I my attention was perhaps just a little bit too divided. So I know that one thing that Quinn and I did when we got home, and we're still figuring out how to do it um, the best, is we made like a place to dump our phones for when we come in the house or just, you know, for me, I'm here most of the day. Which I've, I've done terrible at <laughs> actually doing that when I walk in the door, but it is right when you walk in the door, a place to put our cell phones. Yeah. So because I'm already at the house most of the day, it's when I just like want to make a conscious effort to just set my phone aside and not, not check it for a while. Because I think what I've found for myself is that I'm not all that important. I don't have all these things blowing up my phone. But if it's right next to me, I feel the need to pick it up. I, I don't know why, probably just because it's become such an extension of my life. And, and it's how you communicate. I mean, it's it's 2020 and it's just how everyone is connected now. But there are just times that I've just decided I don't want my phone on me right now. I'm not missing anything urgent and I'll check it in an hour in case Quint needed something from me or, or whatever. And then I, that forces me to, you know, give my full attention where it's needed uh, in, in our house. And, you know, our parents, I think back all the time when our parents were raising us, and it's not as if they didn't have anything distracting them. I mean, we had a television in our house. My family watched it. My parents watched it. They both worked full time and, you know, were away from us during the day. So it wasn't that their full and constant attention was on us at all times. And I don't think that's necessarily what we're talking about here. But what we're talking about is just the 
the distraction that so easily comes in the form of our phones mostly um, to just constantly, it dings and the second it dings, you check it, that type of, yeah. and it just, I've realized it just, nothing is really that urgent in my life personally. I'm not a doctor or anything. I don't have a, a very urgent job or people trying to get, get a hold of me at all hours of the day. And so I just, I now let it ding sometimes and I don't check it for a while because I'll get to it when I can get to it. Yeah. And I think too, it, it speaks to, um, there's kind of this understood unwritten rule in society almost of, um, everyone has their phone on them. So everyone is immediately available, mm. which isn't like super healthy or, um, that definitely isn't how it was when our parents were raising us, because if you got to a place and somebody wasn't, av- whoever you're supposed to meet wasn't there, you just had to wait for them. You couldn't text them and, uh, check in on them or anything like that. You just had to wait it out. And so now we have this, and and there's tons of good to it. This isn't a rail on technology or rail on cell phone conversation, but it's just the right, the realization that, um, you know, phones do rob us of that ability to be present and that, um, you know, our children, like she said, the ages of our children, they're very small. So all they know is us looking at cell phones, potentially if we're not careful and so we need to just be you know aware of that and careful with that yeah absolutely so um with the arrival of our fifth and final child (laughs) as you mentioned earlier um that kind of reminded me actually i had a thought uh the other day i was working on something down in the basement and uh with anderson our oldest who is five almost six and um i actually had this like flashback that I had not thought of in probably almost four years when Anderson was two um, was when we had our second child Preston so that was actually very healthy spacing as (laughs) as opposed to the gap between two and three and three and four Um, but we're gonna end on a high note because we have two years in between four and five so there we go um anyways I had this thought when when Anderson was uh our only child you know, I had to give my attention to work, to my wife, and to my child, um, you know, specifically to to things in the day-to-day. And when Preston was coming, I remember literally thinking, like, how am I supposed to divide attention to another person? And then the wheels really came off. And oh. now, now it's just like there's just kids everywhere, <laughs> and I don't know how to give anybody attention Whenever, but I was telling you about this thought that I had when I was working on this project with Anderson, and you said something really interesting about kind of how you approach it um, because we're drowning in people here. So um, maybe just speak to that because it was enlightening to me, and it it I guess gave me potentially you know a way to uh, approach being present and approach dividing my attention, uh, which is something that I definitely struggle with. Yeah, so when actually when Charlie, our daughter, came home from the hospital, she had uh, eight weeks in the NICU in Buffalo, New York, and then finally was able to come home. That was the time that I felt the most stretched thin. I mean, we had a three-year, a new, newly three-year-old son who was struggling in a lot of ways just with a lot of different things, and then we had just a 10-month-old son, and then our daughter came home at two months old, essentially. But the size of a newborn. Exactly. She she weighed five She was a newborn, essentially, when she came home. 
But I remember texting a friend that I respect very much, uh, who's a mother and has many children, and just saying, I feel like I'm failing my whole family. I don't feel like I'm parenting any of my children well. I'm not wifing well. I just, I just felt stretched so thin. And she gave me some encouragement, but it was really coming out of that conversation with her that I started to realize that I'm just one person and one person can't honestly fulfill every need for every person in the house. It's just impossible. And if you try, you just find yourself frustrated at the end of every day. So what I, kind of the approach that I was telling Quinn about that I have to take now is that in the in those moments that just get crazy or hectic or whatever, I it's almost like a triage type uh, thing. Who Who needs the most attention right now? And maybe it's the kid that just woke up from nap that's cranky or the diaper that needs changed or whatever it is. And I've had to just say to the kids, and they kind of understand now, is that when you're in a family, it isn't all about you, unfortunately. And for the most part, that's a really wonderful thing. And I'm grateful that our kids are getting those lessons because I think that long term it will suit them well. But it's one of those, it's not always about you, but it's also never about you. So sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. And I'll just say right now, it's Bennett's turn because he needs this. And that'll be good for when a new baby comes because that's, you know, a new baby requires a lot of attention and um, I've had to say to the kids down the line, the baby needs to eat now. That's the most important thing that needs to happen right now. After the baby eats, then I can do X with you or whatever. And it really, I mean, it's amazing for how small they are that they really do grasp that concept in a lot of ways. They don't always like it and I'll tell them that's okay to not like it, but it still is just what we have to do right now to get through the day or the moment or, or whatever the chaos is. So Right. Right. Yeah. So it's just a good principle because it, you know, it helps me. I, I, I don't think it's, I think a lot of people are the type of people who, when you don't know what to do, you just do nothing. Sure. Because then you, at least you're not doing the wrong thing. It's not negative. You're, yeah, yeah. You're not doing a negative step. You're just not doing any step. So anyways, that was, that was just good. Uh, cause it kind of clued me into this, uh, a step I could take, but um, something that I have learned the last couple of years, I would say, um, learning about personalities and whether you're into disc profile or the Enneagram or, um, I don't know, there's a bunch of them, Myers-Briggs, whatever it is, I get, it doesn't matter what test I take. I come out as a task oriented person, um, all the time, which has been enlightening for me in, uh, this subject of being present because, um, task oriented people are really good at being present with tasks. So mm -hmm. if it is fixing my garage, fixing my motorcycle, writing a song, um, doing a thing is easy for me to attach myself to and be present with, but it's not as easy with people because there's feelings and emotions and all those things involved, sure. but people oriented people are those who struggle with tasks but are great with people and are great at just um, soaking in moments and, and being present. And so my wife, by God's grace, my wife is a people-oriented person and I am a task-oriented person and it works out really, really well because she um, is just always aware of the people in our home. And obviously that's me and our children, but she's just always aware of that. And it's so 
beneficial. Whereas myself, I can get lost in projects and I mean, and this isn't meant to be Quinn's confessional or anything, but <laughs> I can get lost in projects and I am almost unaware of people or, or oblivious to, to what they may or may not need. So that's something I'm always working on. I would encourage you if you're listening to this and you've never taken a personality test, um, I don't have a link handy. I think there's a really good one at 123test.org, but I don't, I, I think, I could be wrong. And if that takes you to some other place, I'm sorry. But um, but anyways, uh, that would be a disc profile, uh, that link that I'm thinking of. But I would encourage you to do that because it, it really helps to know how you're wired, how God wired you, and then use that not as a crutch, but as a tool. Where can I make corrections? Where, where are my weaknesses so I can... Um, you know, compensate in ways that I need to do that. So I don't know if you have any thoughts to that um, yeah. subject. Yeah, I mean, I know for me, I, I was telling Quint, I feel like because I spend all day at home with our kids, um, I am really in tune with them. And I know, like, I know what it looks like when each of them needs attention, how it looks. It's different for each one of them, but I can see the behavior that comes when they're seeking attention. And so some of the ways I've built my day is like, okay, I know I have to start dinner at four, which means they're pretty much on their own at four for about an hour while I get dinner thrown together. So usually what I try to do is I spend three to four investing in them spending a lot of quality time doing what they might want to do so that at four I can say, okay, now I have to go make dinner and now you guys need to play nicely together. And it, that's been a major learning curve, but we really have come to a much better um, understanding of that. And for the most part, they really do go off and leave me alone, but it's because I feel like I've kind of filled up their little love tanks for attention and quality time before I go into that hour. So I've kind of just crafted my day a little bit, just recognizing when those times are going to hit and and kind of making the best of it. But um, the other thing I will say that I've noticed because I parent full time essentially for my job is that it actually is a more difficult task to do half heartedly or with half your attention. And so if I am in the middle of something that I need to do, I will just say to the kids, I'm in the middle of texting Grand, which is my mom, after I send this, then I can fully listen to you so that they we don't have that you know, kids know when they're not being listened to well. And in fact, my sister is a teacher and she was just sharing with me the other day that one of her students said to her, you know, I feel like whenever I talk, my mom doesn't listen to me. She's always looking at her phone and she says, uh-huh, uh-huh, like she's listening, but I know she's not. And this is a seven or eight-year-old girl. So, right. I mean, they know. And so I found that for me, just being straight up, like, I'm in the middle of something, but as soon as I'm done, then I'll give you my full attention makes a really big difference. And so I found that, you know, for me, just doing it with my whole attention is much easier than trying to do it with half. So anytime I can eliminate distractions that don't need to be there so that I can be more fully present, it really does make the day go better. Yeah, so. that's good. It's like that in anything. Sure. I mean, if you want something to be easy, do the hard stuff. If you want something to be hard, just try to do the easy stuff. You know, that's, that's life. So, um, but any, you know, that, that really, um, kind of is a really nice segue to what I wanted to wrap up with today, which is, um, kind of that other thing that, that John Eldridge pointed out to us when we were out at, <clears throat> in Colorado Springs for that conference, 
Um, and it was a lot of this, again, I, we don't want this to be a rag on cell phones. We obviously still have them, and you're probably listening to this podcast on one, and we are grateful for that. Right. But, um, you know, the the explosion of um, just news and media and everything in general in our lives, um, a lot of which is very, very shallow, uh, just Facebook uh, timeline, just a bunch of nonsense. What that has actually done scientifically to our brains has made us, it has fragmented our brains in ways we don't fully understand. And it has also just made us very, very shallow. Our attention spans are shorter than they've ever been, um, which is why I said we're wrapping this podcast up, so please don't go anywhere. <laughs> um, and, and it's really just put us in this place of... Um, we're, we're just taking in more information than we were ever meant to take in. And we don't, our souls really just don't even know how to process mm-hmm. that. And so we, we're left not processing the things we should be processing. It's really just this big mess. And I'm not trying to get negative or, or paint a bad picture. But for us, it was this great awareness that we needed to be much more careful with just what we consumed. I would wake up uh, a lot of days and just throw on Good Morning America or the Today Show or just news in the background. And I just came to realize, like, I just don't need to know all the nonsense and all the stuff that's just happening um, because it's not, it doesn't help me be more present. It doesn't help me parent my kids better. It doesn't help me at my job. I'm not saying we should be in the dark, but when you're reading things, you know, Instagram, Facebook, social media, YouTube, whole, all that stuff is just so, it's geared to just distract you and take you away from what matters most in your life. And so um, for us, it has really been enlightening because we have struggled to uh, keep, you know, we we used to read a ton and we don't read as much as we used to. And that's something that we want to fix in 2020, something that we want to look at and uh, and I would say reading on your iPhone nonsense does not count. Yes, you're reading, sure. but you're not reading quality things or positive things that benefit you. So there's actually a verse. I wrote um, a post on my Facebook at the end of 2019, kind of based out of this Psalm uh, 130. And it says in Psalm 130, verse 1, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. And it continues, but the, those first four words, out of the depths, are what struck me because uh, previous to this conference, I probably would have read that and just thought like, wow, uh, this the psalmist who is writing this is just in great emotional depths. He's just crying out from just this uh, turmoil and the depths that he uh, is feeling and just all these different things. Now I read that and I say out of the depths, out of this deep place of relationship, out of this deep place that me and Jesus have been to together. Well, you can't go there if you're not spending time with him and you're not working to go deeper. And so I would I read that now and and hear the psalmist saying, out of the depths I cry to you, Lord, out of the depths of our relationship, out of the depths of our uh our 
bank account together, if you will, this investment that I've been making in our relationship because I need you, Jesus. And so for me, that has been um, something that I want to work on, yes, with Jesus in 2020, but also with my wife and mm. with my kids. And just in general, I, I want to go deeper. I need to go deeper. Um, and I, I mean, I would hope and I would think that probably applies to most all of us uh, most anyone who's listening to this today. So that would be my hope for you. Do you have anything you want to add to that or thoughts? No, I mean, I think that's a really good place to land it. Mostly for me, this has just looked like, um, not clicking every little thing that I can scroll. It's okay to scroll past it. And I think, you know, and that goes from the mundane nonsense things to like, really heavy things and really tragic things. And it might even be things that you're passionate about or you feel a pull or a cause, you know, for, and that's great. And I mean, I I believe that God has called us not to just turn a blind eye to that stuff, but at the same time, it's recognizing when that is affecting your soul and how much it's affecting your soul. And I know for me, being more, just more conscious of that has changed a lot. Yeah. So just being intentional with the input and being, um, doing things on purpose because life is short and uh, it's so important that we are present. So that's where um, we're going to wrap up today. I really appreciate you listening to this. I hope that it helped. If you have any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, any of the above, you can hit me up on Facebook uh, or shoot me a message or find me some way, somehow. I'm (laughs) I'm on the internet. So uh, anyways, thanks so much for listening. This is called the Quintessential Ministry Podcast, and really the idea is that all things can be and should be some form of ministry when you call Jesus Christ your Savior and are doing a faith journey. You're on a faith journey, walking closer to Him, chasing Him, pursuing Him. And so hopefully you are finding ways to do that, to do ministry to others and ministry to yourself and to worship your Lord and Savior. I appreciate you checking this out. Thank you, Aaron, for being my second guest. Absolutely. You did great, and uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch you in a couple weeks with the third installment of the Quintessential Ministry Podcast.